Thank you for watching NTD Business Top Stories tonight. Norfolk Southern now facing a class action lawsuit from the residents of East Palestine, where a toxic train derailed. Meanwhile, Senator J.D. Vance is proposing federal aid to help the town survive. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis taking away Disney World's self-governing status. What does it mean for the theme park? The Supreme Court gets ready to hear arguments on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. What do the two sides have to say? In his annual letter, investor Warren Buffett says those who oppose stock buybacks are either economically illiterate or silver-tongued demagogues. This is coming from someone who himself opposed buybacks in the past. The top U.S. grid operator warning about the risks to the electric grid. What are the concerns? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has new power over Disney. He signed a bill today that strips Walt Disney World of its self-governing status. The government body gave Disney unique powers in central Florida for over 50 years, allowing the theme park to control its own government. DeSantis said it also meant they didn't have to follow laws that everyone else had to follow. Critics argued it gave Disney an unfair commercial advantage. Here's DeSantis earlier today in Florida. The corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. There's a new sheriff in town and accountability will be the order of the day. The feud with Disney started last year. Disney publicly opposed a Florida law that prohibits teaching sexual orientation in kindergarten through third grade. DeSantis today said he thinks most parents, though, agree with this law. He called Disney's opposition a mild annoyance. That made his administration realize there was a gender movement within the corporation itself. The new law allows DeSantis to replace the district's existing board with five people he chooses. He's already named the new board members and says they plan to meet next week. Over in Virginia, state lawmakers have approved legislation that will make organized retail theft with intent to sell a Class 3 felony. Anyone who conspires or acts in concert to steal more than $5,000 of retail merchandise within three months could be prosecuted. Those convicted could face up to 20 years in prison. The law would also make it a Class 3 felony for anyone knowingly possessing the stolen merchandise. The new law comes after Virginia's attorney general found that about $1.3 billion of merchandise is stolen in the state every single year, which costs the state more than $80 million in lost tax revenue annually. There has been a rise in shoplifting across the country. A trade group said nearly $95 billion was lost due to retail theft. The bill still needs Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's signature. And some updates from the train derailment site in East Palestine, Ohio. The residents of East Palestine have now filed a class action lawsuit against Norfolk Southern. They allege that the railroad company's, quote, negligent actions created an environmental catastrophe. They criticized Norfolk Southern for a two-hour delay in reporting the crash. They say that and the company's decision to burn off the hazardous chemicals the train was carrying amount to negligence. Meanwhile, the cleanup continues. The federal government is moving ahead with plans to dispose of some of the hazardous waste there. All of the cars, all the rail cars except for the NTSB held cars have been removed from the site. 
This is so critically important to moving on to next steps. We can now excavate additional contaminated soil and begin installing monitoring wells. These are monitoring wells at the site of the derailment, which will tell us whether there's contamination to groundwater. A shipment of contaminated liquid and solid waste is heading to two EPA facilities in Ohio today. Norfolk Southern is helping with the cleanup. The EPA's regional administrator says federal, state, and local governments will closely monitor the operation to make sure the waste is safely removed. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance says East Palestine might need a paycheck protection program, similar to the one the U.S. had during the pandemic. This comes as people are reportedly leaving the town due to health concerns. Here's the story. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance proposed a Paycheck Protection Program, also known as PPP, for East Palestine residents. This comes after the recent train derailment, but also due to industries leaving the area, which he says had already been ongoing. Vance explained his stance in an op-ed for The Washington Post, writing, Like many towns near Youngstown, Ohio, East Palestine had suffered substantially from the wave of deindustrialization that saw millions of jobs leave for China, Mexico, and other countries. The senator says the recent train derailment, which led to a burn of chemicals, is driving people in capital away from the town. He proposed introducing a PPP-style program to help businesses stay afloat. The pandemic-era PPP program reportedly saved around 3 million jobs at its peak in the second quarter of 2020. However, many say the program was also subject to heavy fraud. Some experts also believe the program, along with stimulus checks, may have contributed to the current high inflation economy. And Apple is facing a round of criticism after iPhone users discovered a semi-new charging feature on their phones this Sunday. It's called Clean Energy Charging and was added to the devices with the release of iOS 16.1 back in late October 2022. So according to Apple, here's how it works. When an iPhone is connected to power with clean energy mode turned on, the device looks at a report from the local energy grid supplying that power. It then uses information on carbon emissions to adjust when the phone actually charges. Now, to put it simply, your phone charges only when lower carbon emission electricity is available. It's turned on by default, by the way. Users pointed out the feature may lead to slower phone charging. If you want to turn it off, go to battery settings. One of the country's major grid operators have issued new electrical grid warnings. Now let's go to NTD Shar Marshall to learn more. The nation's largest grid operator, PJM, has released a new report on potential trends that are presenting risks to the United States electrical grid. While demand is likely to increase due to electrification and the increase of high-demand data centers, new resources are needed to replace retiring equipment. But new construction is happening more slowly than equipment retirements. PGM says there are major concerns of possible electric generation shortages as utilities retire more and more traditional fossil fuel power plants. I spoke with David Tice, the producer of Grid Down, Power Up, a documentary illustrating the grave risks and associated outcomes of a complete power grid collapse. So everything we do is relying on electricity. I asked him what the most serious danger to the grid is. Probably a cyber attack, because we have Jennifer Granholm, who's Secretary of Energy, currently under Joe Biden. And she was asked on a Sunday morning talk show about uh, the vulnerability and if our adversaries are in the grid. And she said, yes, they are currently in the grid and could potentially shut it down. 
at their own volition. I asked Tice what viewers could do to address the current situation. Well, in our film, Grid Down, Power Up, we provided a mechanism by which just a few clicks of their mouse and their home address, and they'll be able to send letters, make phone calls, sign petitions that go to our regulators, our legislators, both state and federal, as well as board of directors of our public utilities. And there needs to be better legislation, but there needs to be better follow-through. Sean Marshall, NTD News. The Supreme Court on Tuesday is set to hear arguments on President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. The plan, which cancels up to $20,000 of student debt for each borrower who qualifies, has been on hold as it makes its way through the courts. Two cases are in front of the justices. In one, six Republican-led states say they would be harmed financially if the program goes into effect. The other involves two borrowers in Texas who don't fully qualify for debt forgiveness. Plaintiffs in both cases argue the government doesn't have the authority to cancel loan debt under the proposed rules of the program. But the Biden administration argues that the 2003 law gives them that power in the event of a national emergency, including the COVID-19 pandemic. And staying with the Supreme Court today, the court says it will take up a Republican-led challenge to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. This is the second time in three years that the justices will be examining the CFPB. The federal agency was the brainchild of Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. The bureau was created more than a decade ago following the 2008 financial crisis. Republicans have long argued that the agency has unchecked power. Unlike a majority of agencies, the CFPB does not get its funding from the annual congressional budget. Instead, it's funded directly by the Federal Reserve. As a result, the CFPB is insulated from congressional oversight. Critics say the funding structure is unconstitutional. The case will be heard when the court begins its next term in October. On Wall Street, stocks ended a bit higher today after last week's losses, which were the biggest percentage drops this year. The Dow rose 72 points or 0.2 percent, S&P added 12 points or 0.3 percent, NASDAQ gained 72 points or 0.6 percent. In today's special report, we look at the pros and cons of stock buybacks. Well-known American business magnate Warren Buffett insulted people who oppose stock buybacks. He says these people are either economically illiterate or silver-tongued demagogues, saying that these two are not mutually exclusive either. Stock buybacks are when a company buys back some of its own stock. It does this to boost its share price artificially because when there's fewer shares out in the market, each one becomes more valuable. It's a highly controversial thing to do. Buffett has famously bought back billions in Berkshire Hathaway stock. In an annual company letter, he says that buybacks, when done the right way, benefit everyone, including the remaining shareholders, the selling shareholders, and the executives. We spoke with a portfolio manager at Ascend Investment Management, Emma Muehlman, to get her take. He's getting old because he has he himself has opposed stock buyback in the past. So his 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 state his stance on it has always been like I told you from the outset. If the company has growth, then they shouldn't be they should be investing in it. That if that rate of growth, the profit on that growth investment is higher than the relative undervaluation of their stock, they should be investing in the business, growing the business, not buying back the stock. 
Warren Buffett is currently 92 years old and his position on stock buybacks has indeed changed over time. He once called them a waste of money and Berkshire Hathaway for over 40 years never bought back any of its own stock. We also got comments from someone who opposes stock buybacks, investment manager Jay Srivasa. I guess he's one of the people Buffett indirectly called economically illiterate. Srivasa says, though, he's not offended. You know, Warren Buffett is welcome to make his comments about people who are criticizing stock buybacks, but inherently it goes against the, the value that a long-term shareholder wants. What it does is it helps you to boost your stock price artificially for a little bit of time. And then what happens is that, you know, the management who has options, they may, they may sell the stock. So you have management also selling and making money, right? But for, for a, a longer term investor, you know, that doesn't really help in any big way. Srivatsa believes that a better way to reward shareholders is to pay dividends. This way, investors continue holding on to the stock instead of getting rid of it. Now, what does a Buffett fan think? We spoke with value investor Kai Sato, a founding partner at Vintage Capital Investments. Sato believes Buffett is right and that the pros of buybacks outweigh the cons. If the business is trading at below intrinsic value, then a share buyback might make sense because, you know, a dividend is going to be taxed twice, right? The corporation is going to pay the taxes and then, you know, the, the recipient of the, of the dividend will pay the taxes. And so it can be a far more uh, tax efficient way to return cash to shareholders. And so I think that Buffett is is very astute in calling out the fact that uh, whether it's people who are in, in politics or elsewhere may not fully understand you know, the instrument. And finally, we talked with Brandon Chapman, a financial instructor at Theotrade, an online financial education service. He's neither for nor against buybacks, but he emphasizes they must be done under the right circumstances. If they're trying to say, look, we got a lot of cash, we could either kind of hold that in, we could pay dividends, or maybe on a limited basis, uh, buy back stock. I, I think it's okay, but many companies that are buying stock are doing so from a position of declining earnings, declining margins, rather than they're flush with cash. And uh, if we enter a recession in the back half this year, uh, earnings start to decline, are they going to need that cash? Um, so again, you see a lot of companies borrowing more money in order to generate the cash to, to do the buybacks or even sometimes pay dividends. That puts them in a compromised position, especially if, if this back half of the year ends up being a recession. Chapman specifically brought up Meta, formerly Facebook, which bought back $40 billion in stock despite having less profit, less cash, and more debt than prior periods. Meanwhile, Warren Buffett says Berkshire will always hold a boatload of cash. The company had approximately $130 billion in its cash reserves at the end of 2022. Still to come after the break, the Energy Department now says it's likely that COVID leaked from a lab. Some Republican lawmakers react to the news. A famous Hollywood star is seemingly opposing vaccine and lockdown mandates. He makes a controversial joke on Saturday Night Live. We'll play the joke coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. 
U.S. officials continue their search for the origin of the pandemic. The U.S. Energy Department has now concluded that COVID-19 probably leaked from a lab. Republican lawmakers responded to the report published in the Wall Street Journal. NTD's Daniel Monaghan has the story. The classified intelligence says that the virus likely leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Representative Jim Jordan reacted on Twitter saying, quote, So the government caught up to what real America knew all along. The Energy Department was previously undecided on the issue, but it now joins the FBI in supporting the lab leak hypothesis. The Energy Department's judgment was made with low confidence. Senator Eric Schmidt wrote that, quote, Fauci knew this immediately but dismissed it because of funding for the Wuhan lab. When Fauci spoke, Big Tech censored. Representative Andy Biggs also reacted, saying in his words, Americans knew this from day one. Unfortunately, big tech and big government silenced them. Senator Josh Hawley wrote that Americans deserve the truth, while Representative Ken Buck says, quote, Elites and academics owe everyone who had legitimate questions and concerns about the origins of COVID an apology. Meanwhile, Senator Tom Cotton says the Chinese Communist Party needs to be held accountable so this doesn't happen again. GOP lawmakers are ramping up investigations into the origin of COVID-19 and allegations of government and big tech censorship of the debate. Republican lawmakers have been vocal about the theory that the virus leaked from the Wuhan laboratory soon after the onset of the pandemic in 2020. Initially, some health professionals and media outlets labeled the theory's proponents as conspiracy theorists. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the intelligence community does not have a definitive answer on the matter at this point, adding that President Biden has put resources into getting to the bottom of the origin question. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Hollywood actor Woody Harrelson took a hard jab at Big Pharma on NBC's Saturday Night Live. In a joke, he compared big pharmaceutical companies to drug cartels. He was joking about a fictional scenario where he turns down a movie script. Take a listen. So the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea? <laughs> Being forced to do drugs? Harrelson sent shockwaves throughout national media and sparked a frenzy of social media posts. Rolling Stone accused him of spreading, quote, anti-vax conspiracies. Hollywood reporter Washington Post had similar headlines. But he's also getting a lot of praise on social media. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says he was actually spot on with the joke. Joining me now is Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Now, Jeffrey, let me just get your quick reaction right now on the SNL uh, joke from uh, Woody Harrelson. What's your takeaway? Uh, what do you think of the audience reaction? Anything you thought of? Well, the audience was shocked, of course. Uh, what's funny is that they all kind of knew it was true, but there's a sense in American culture today that you're not allowed to say those sorts of things, so they all just kind of sat there in frozen silence. Woody uh, uh, could tell very quickly that his joke didn't go <laughs> didn't go over well, but he was glad he did it anyway, and then just quickly brought the segment to a close. But it just happened in the last few seconds, and I tell you, there was just absolute shock, not just in the audience, but then in the whole of popular culture. 
And you have to keep in mind, this is a New York audience, you know, a deep blue state. You have to keep that in mind. But let me ask you, how much truth do you think is in this joke? You know, since we have gotten the Twitter files, we've gotten uh, the Veritas video. So what do you think? Uh, there's more truth than I was willing to recognize even a year ago. Uh, when when the lockdowns happened, I never imagined that they were really being inspired by the desire of vaccine companies to distribute a new technology to the population. I, I'd never even believed it. In fact, I denied it. Uh, rolling it back in time, is it completely crazy that the lockdowns were designed to just wait uh, for the vaccine rollout? I, I don't think that's crazy. And in fact, in April of 2020, a, a former head of virology at the Gates Foundation told me that on the phone, and I didn't believe him. Now I do believe him, and I think both he and Woody Harrelson were largely correct about this. In your view, was it a fair joke? Was there any exaggeration? You know, he called Big Pharma a drug cartel. He's saying it's buying up media and politicians. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I mean, just a couple of days ago, it came out that uh, Moderna paid uh, the National Institutes of Health uh, half a billion dollars in royalties. And in terms of media buys, uh, the, uh, the advertising dollars spent by Moderna and Pfizer were not just to advertise their product, but to keep media completely uh, compliant and on board with, uh, with the vaccine rollout, which is why for large parts of the last three years, we've only heard one point of view uh, from mainstream media. I mean, thank goodness for Epoch Times, for, for NTD, for giving us another perspective. Uh, because, uh, But it's only the people not in the pay of the vaccine manufacturers that have been able to speak the truth and, and talk about reality on the ground. So, yeah, that's entirely true also. You know, Jeffrey, I'm just curious. You mentioned earlier the audience was shocked. You know, I was shocked as well. Do you think the joke was approved by NBC? Do you think this was uh, off the script? Uh, I, I don't think the joke was approved by, by, by Saturday Night Live. I think it was, it was, a, it was just one, of the, one of the magic of the, of the show is that it's a live thing. I don't think it was approved by anybody, which is why he snuck it in at the last minute and made it impossible for, it the, for them to cut him off. It's just that you know, as they say in the world of jokes, it's too soon, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. But, you know, what, what I'm noticing is you know, a lot of people praising him, but also a lot of, uh, a number of media outlets saying he's pushing anti-vax conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah. You know, I'm not seeing a lot of middle ground, if you will. Yeah. Now, maybe just summarize for us in your words, what are the facts, really? Uh, well, the facts are that the vaccine manufacturers were involved in the pandemic response from the early part of uh, February of uh, January uh, 2020. As soon as the pandemic uh, came along, there was word of it. Their vaccine makers were were already in the labs uh, generating their their uh, potions. We know this. They had a huge amount of influence over uh, the pandemic response. I mean, uh, Moderna itself set up uh, offices. Uh, over at the Health and Human Services offices uh, in, in Washington. The other fact we know is that lockdowns didn't achieve anything in terms of disease mitigation. It's like the entire period was a complete waste. It was a complete, it was nothing but destruction. 
So who bears responsibility for that? I wonder if more people like Woody Harrelson will, you know, make similar remarks. I know he's not the only one in Hollywood. He's sort of maybe one of the first few who has done this publicly. But anyways, thank you very right. much, Jeffrey. Great having you on today. Always a pleasure. Okay, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mai. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.